Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Uh, we're coming to you post Channel Strong Tour Northeast. So we just went through another two-week tour here uh, through, yeah, anywhere from Virginia all the way up to, I think, New Hampshire we got to. Uh, and it was nice to actually get out and, um, you know, get, you know, get into the Northeast, right? I mean, I've been doing this for a little while now, and it was a little bit hard to get into Northeast because it was on, it was a little bit unlocked for a while. So, you know, all things being considered, we you know, appreciate everyone that came out to that. And uh, for everyone that's in the, you know, uh, kind of Southwest region, uh, we're, we're coming to you next. So stay tuned while we, you know, kind of finalize that and, uh, and we'll get some information on that. So, you know, we actually bring, um, we actually bring a guest on today who was actually involved in our channel strong, uh, Midwest, uh, run, uh, coming into the last kind of stretch there. So I'm going to, uh, Happily welcome to the show, Eric Clark. Eric, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, your company, give us a little bit of background. Sure. Hey, thanks for having me. And it was uh, good to see you guys in person. You guys rolled through Wisconsin here. Um, so my name is Eric Clark. I work for a company called Swick Technologies. And I'll spell that because uh, it can be misinterpreted. So it's S-W-I-C-K Technologies, not uh, Swift or Stick or Switch. <laughs> um, and my role the company is a client success Role so I help with account management, marketing, and outside sales. So cover uh, a couple of those different things. We also help and do a lot of different presentations and such. So uh, we're a managed service provider. Uh, obviously, it's probably why we're on on your show here. So I think we're our focus lies is we are heavily focused on cybersecurity. We practice a lot of the NIST 800-171 uh, things that were in place, and now we've really shifted that to the new uh, CMMC. Uh, modality up to level three. So we're helping businesses kind of go through a similar process to button up their cybersecurity as well. Uh, otherwise we do, you know, we have a help desk that's staffed locally here in Wisconsin. Uh, we do a lot of the managed services. So we're IT department for some companies, we're fractional for others, mm -hmm. uh, complement and support and supplement other IT uh, professionals in the region. Awesome. So uh, I'm going to do something we usually, you know, just started doing. I'm going to allow other folks that are on the live uh, to actually just jump into the conversation. We'll have more of like an open convo. So you guys can unmute if you guys want to jump into the conversation at any point in time. Uh, so, Eric, let's uh, since you're in cybersecurity, first of all, first of all, congratulations. The Bucks won. The NBA. Yeah, and that was a big deal, man. It was great for the economy, too, by the way, considering the year we just came off of. So super yeah. exciting. Uh, I'm more of a Packers fan than a Bucks fan, but you gotta, you gotta just, you know, when that stuff happens, it doesn't matter. You gotta get into it. So I totally did for a little bit. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, trust me, our our Sixers here in Philadelphia thought they were going to be riding high and didn't quite work out as you as it usually doesn't work out here in Philadelphia. <laughs> o only twice in my lifetime, right? Phillies and the Eagles. And uh, hey, listen, I I should be I should count my blessing. I think somebody <laughs> actually, uh, our you know Shade, who's our marketing coordinator. Uh, she's like, well, that's where you gamble. I was like, yeah, I gambled a lot of money in that, uh, in that South Philadelphia, you know, sports complex for a long time. I only won twice. So I guess my, my odds aren't great, but, uh, Hey, you know, congrats on that. And, uh, I, I didn't have a chance to actually make it out to Wisconsin, but, um, I heard it was a great time. I heard, I heard, uh, you know, it's like, if you haven't, if anybody hasn't been out to Wisconsin, I hate to even say it. Don't get offended. Everybody's like, oh, it's like a mini Chicago. I'm like, I've been to Chicago. I've been to Wisconsin. I don't want to even use that terminology. Yeah, it's a small city. It's very quaint in contrast to like Chicago, very navigable and um, very friendly. Lots of 
good eating and stuff, but it's this very small city in contrast to Chicago. So it's certainly less intimidating. If you're from a big city, you might be like, wow, this is it. But for us, it's really, it's a, it's a nice place. Did um, <laughs> John Fry says Philly sports are cursed. Hey, John, <laughs> at least I, I was in Minnesota to watch your t- TB12, right? Mr. Tom Brady himself go for the all-time yards, the all-time, you know, uh, attempts, you know, no, you know, punts. And uh, yeah, we still beat you in then, pal. So don't forget that. Um, let, let's let's talk about security for a second. Um, CMMC, since you brought yeah. it up. Thanks. Um, it looks, you know, like it, it's, if you were to talk to somebody who's never looked at CMMC before and explain to them, why CMMC versus all the other ones, you know, that you could, you know, try and, you know, comply with and get certified and get that outside audit, whatever, you know, like for example, and I'm not trying to get super granular, but like yeah. why is CMMC versus a, um, a SOC two or why, like what, why concentrate on that specifically? Is it the vertical that you support? Is it just, it's becoming in your mind, the preeminent answer in terms of this, you know, the outside, you know, it's things. more the latter. It's definitely the preeminent kind of, direction here. I mean, even considering the NIST 800-171 and, and rolling that out several years ago, it's a benchmark strategy that, that, that doesn't change. The terminology is consistent. It's a governing body. So there's accountability. And when you talk about like audits that are coming down the pike, you know, in 2026, you can get an outside audit for NIST, but it wasn't like it was recommended. No one really did it. People check boxes and said, let's just check that box. But then no one ever, there's no checks and balances. So this is a formal governing body that's going to hold a certain standard to these things and you need to do them. And it, that's only if you have, you know, CUI um, or F, FIC and things of that nature where you're doing work in the supply chain of the DOD or the government or the federal government. But if you're not, it's a great way to focus your cybersecurity efforts because it's, it's the tippy top, right? So, so are you incorporating that into your your marketing strategy, right? Like when you go present to a prospective customer, does that come into the equation? Like, do you have to spend a lot of time explaining what that even is? It depends. You know, some people know it, right? Some people know more than I do about it because they're a compliance officer, a compliance manager at certain companies. And here in Wisconsin, we have a ton of manufacturing. I can, I can throw a rock and hit one, no matter where I stand in the state, they're just, they're just everywhere. So by default of being geographically located where we're at in Southeast Wisconsin, there's a lot of manufacturers. So just the supply chain of that, um, there's a lot of that kind of activity happening regardless. So to answer questions that come up in conversation, uh, I try to now bring it up because I don't know that a lot of other people want to, it's compliance, it's it's thick, it's heavy, it's mundane, it's granular, it's detailed. Not many people want to go down that path. They want to just do their job and get paid and move on and say it's good enough. That's not how we're operating. We're operating at a very, very acutely detailed level in our approach to this market. So you know, we helped one of the first 15 companies uh, go through CMMC level three for their pre-audit. And only 15 companies were required to do that by the federal government. You don't know who those companies are, but we had one of them um, and we got them through the finish line. And the things that were nixed on that uh, assessment or the pre-assessment were like three things and one of the things is like, well, the, you haven't been in this environment long enough. Well, nobody can help that. <laughs> you, you know, that's not our fault. Um, so there, there weren't things that like even fell on our plate that we could have had an impact on yet. So we're really proud of that work. Our team busted their tails to get that done. And as a result, we blazed a trail here now where we feel very confident with that approach already 
Um, but we've been doing this stuff for ourselves. We eat our own dog food. So we've been rocking this kind of modality for a very long time. And now I'm bringing it to market to clients, no matter where they're at on that process. Um, they might be sub-level one. They might be level two, which is that transitionary phase. So there's a lot of places someone can fall, but we're prepared for it. Sure. So along the same thought, since we're in this, this, this kind of arena, where does the outside team sock you know, all the security products that have popped up, XDR, MDR, um, you know, like Edge, and now I know Sassy is not even really there yet, right? It's coming down the pipe. Like, where does that fit in CMMC? Is that, I mean, is that level five? Is that like, what, or do they even talk about that in the CMMC? Level? So there are things. So we actually did some uh, content on this, some presentations and such, webinars and so forth. Uh, where We have some good content that covers this. We try to break it down by the levels. So we do have a whole presentation on just like level one. And we tried to map it to break it, like what I would say, break down Fisher Price or break down Barney style. But we said like, okay, here's this specific thing they're saying. So for example, I have somewhat of on my screen here, but like uh, for access control, CMMC level one, there's you know six domains out of the 17 entire controls. One of them is like limit information, system access to authorized users, blah, 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 blah. Very specific statement. So we break that down into like, well, what needs to be done from a technical standpoint for this, because there are things that fall outside of the tech realm that people need to do like building security and such. We don't, we don't do that. Um, but then we go into far as to say like, well, what does this actually mean? Like what has to be done? So things like multi-factor authentication, mm -hmm. things like, you know, uh, EDR and things of that nature. Some of these things do live further on down the spectrum towards level three, but some of them you're going to need to do anyway. So, and it's easy, low hanging fruit. So we try to identify what can you just do that's impactful right now to kind of cover the most ground possible, the best bang for your buck to get that level one. Cause if you're going to maintain any of those government contracts or the DOD contracts um, you have to at least be level one. And a lot of folks are probably already level one if you're doing that work today. Yeah. So it's a matter of if you're going to want to maintain them or acquire new, um, you know, contracts, you're going to want to kind of level up to that level three. So I know I'm kind of giving you the political answer. I'm not giving you a lot of specifics. <laughs> pretty... no, I, mean, listen, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, I mean, it, you know, if you're saying it's the preeminent answer, right. It's the one that everybody's saying is, Hey, if you're going to do one, this is the one mm -hmm. Then obviously it's going to be multifaceted. There's no one. Answer. Correct. Yep. yep. But the big thing is like the documentation that goes into it. So everything needs to be auditable. If I think that's the right way to say it. So like if someone's coming into your, to your physical building, there needs to be an event log and, and locked access. And then who's auditing that event log and where is that stored and how is that protected? So you need to be able to serve up all the validation and proof of these things. So when you get audited, you can say, yes, Susie May came in on October 4th at this time and all of our computers in our office are all locked. Everything that has, might be exposed like a switch is locked by access and only certain people have access to it. And this is how we track their access. And if they did go in there, here's how we... So it's a lot of this validation of things and documenting these processes and people to know that it's all covered. Otherwise, if you don't know, if, if 10 people have access to the same computer on a shop floor and there's no camera on it and there's no event logs, then how do you know that it wasn't Bill, Bob, or Tom or all three of them? You have to be able to prove that and validate that. No, 100%. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, so since it seems like you're really deep down security land, I'd love to pick your brain on, and I hope it's not totally old news yet. Uh, so the supply chain stuff, right? I mean, it seemed, you know, like it's not just, Hey, you know, this vendor who also plays in our space, you know, got hit somewhere else that really doesn't touch us. I mean, 
we've had more recent one, right. That kind of hits home. So how does that fall into the scheme of things from your perspective, right? Like, do your customers ask you about that? Is that part, like, do you proactively talk to people about it? Cause the headlines are out there. I mean, people watch or read whatever they do. I mean, it's not hard to stumble into it. So. Yeah, I would say, gosh, one of the things that just came up um, even today, I'm trying to find, there was just a communication that went out from our SOC about an attack that just happened. Um, so we do have a SOC and we're really on top of these things. So oftentimes if you see in a headline, it's not going to be much longer before you're going to see a communication from our SOC team that's going to tell you, hey, if you're a client and you have this agreement, we are already aware of this. We've already taken these actions. You are protected. Here's the action you need to take or you don't have to take any action or, or so forth, right? If you're not an agreement client and we've touched your infrastructure at some point, way, shape or form, again, this is what's happening. Here's what you need to do. And if you want us to do it, there's a billable event. Do you want us to do that? Yes or no. Um, and it's critical. So in some cases, we'll spin up our client engagement team and we'll get on the phones and start doing outreach. Like you need to address this immediately or as soon as possible. When's a good time to take your network down to address this critical patch has to happen for Microsoft or whatever that looks like. So our finger is definitely on the pulse. We try to keep our client base um, as informed as possible, given the fact that there's a number of threats that are happening at any given point in time. Um, the EDR stuff really helps obviously a lot too, to kind of look for that foothold detection, things of that nature. So like when you guys say you run your own sock, like, did you staff it up? You built it on your own or are you using components from an outside vendor or how does that work? Yeah, no, we staffed it ourselves. So it's internally staffed. Um, meets all the requirements of a sock for us to officially say that uh, security operations center. So um, you know, I'm trying to just look at oh, a yeah, hive nightmare or also known as the, uh, Serious Sam is the one I just saw go out this morning. So we have, you know, a channel internally for advisories. So if something critically critical is happening, um, one of our employees might catch that and then they'll kick it over to the soccer vice versa. Um, and then they're jumping on that kind of all hands on deck in that department. Wow. Now it's very interesting. I, I, I've run into a lot of MSPs who say it's really hard to actually build it up, build it up. And Hey, you know, there's just not a lot of people out there with the skill set that we can find and, and they tend to just outsource, right? I don't know the business reasons for not outsourcing it, but I know it took some time for us to build that. Um, and it was being built for quite some time before we could say that that is something that we have. But given the work that we're doing, especially considering CMMI and things like that, or, or CMMC, it's a necessary component. No, totally understand. Um, so, do you even offer anything out there from a, from a, you know, like good old fashioned managed services standpoint, are you even offering any level where the security isn't baked in like, or is that just not even an option anymore? Yeah. It's interesting you ask because we've made the decision to include a lot of these layered pieces of software and things of that nature, just because it's a better outcome. Um, if we're, accountable for your IT and managing that then to say like, well, you need to pay us more because so we can include this. We just included it, take it on the chin and then have that value add piece there. Um, so we've kind of just leveled up our security holistically um, throughout our, our practice. So we are in the midst of doing some rebranding things about like our go-to-market for our agreements and how we do all of that. Are we an MSSP? Are we an MSP? I think we're an MSP that has an MSSP division. We have a SOC and so forth. MSSPs when you look at the landscape, this usually a lot smaller operations. We're not incredibly large. We're also not very small. We have, you know, a little over 30 people at SwickTech. 
um, and we're growing rapidly. We have a lot of open positions out there we're trying to fill at the moment. So we see a lot of growth in our future here. So, you know, current event style, I mean, we're hearing potentially that people might have to, and again, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the news. I'm watching the news just like everyone else. If tomorrow somebody came out and said, oh, no, you know, social distancing, put the masks on, lockdown again. Are your customers and your team better prepared to handle that scenario than I assume from the last time? Yeah, our, one of our favorite quotes is from Louis Pasteur, chance favors the prepared mind. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that when it happened the first time, there is no change for us from a technology standpoint. Uh, the difference was on Friday when I went home, I brought my laptop with me, grabbed a couple monitors. Um, and then as that all rolled out and no one ever went back, you know, we got to order some fancier equipment to make sure our home offices were a little bit more inept and like comfortable. Uh, but out of the gate, no, we run uh, on Microsoft Teams. We were one of the first 100 companies to beta test Teams in its infancy. And so we're, again, eating our own dog food. We're fully fledged on that platform. So at least from our perspective, there wasn't any change to our business. A lot of our clients had already kind of followed our path with that. So easy transition for them. And then some ones that hadn't or there were some laggards or they weren't on that precipice just yet. Um, of course, we're there to help them and, and support those efforts to make sure that they have a, a good transition. So there's a bit of when we track our tickets and everything like that, so we could look at the percentages and the type of tickets and what we're like doing our work on and so forth. So it was interesting to see that initial wave of how many tickets were open to help with that. And then it calmed down business as usual for a while by and large. And then that wave that when people came back, we had to go the opposite direction with that to get people back in the office. So if there is a second wave of this that puts us in a similar position, we'll be in a much stronger place. And by we, I mean, collectively like our client base, I think have, have all come quite a bit further since the first time. And I imagine everyone has, right? It's, it's forced everyone's hand. We were all going down this path slowly. And it was really culturally hard for some folks to wrap their heads around. Like, what do you mean? I can't see that person working at their desk, but digitally the traces that we can leave behind on all of the monitoring agents, people are working or not. We don't, you know, to a, a level of certainty, whether or not they're being productive and with things like teams, you're accountable to your team, you know? If you're not answering your calls all day and your, um, you know, your, your status or whatever is showing you as a way, or you've been away from your keyboard for the last, you know, three hours, it's like, what the hell are you doing? That's a great question. Heard I some, asked, yeah, heard some really interesting stories from what people. I'm doing. I'm like, I'm on calls all day long. Yeah. My, yeah. My family, my, um, my, my mom has said someone at, she works at some healthcare company filing claims for insurance and such. And she said, you know, one of these guys got fired because during COVID, he just like, wasn't working. He was like out on the golf course, living his best life. And then he got fired. He like broke down and cried. He's like, Oh, I didn't, I, I, I knew I should have been doing this stuff. It's like, well, that's, that's an extreme scenario, but the people that are going to do that kind of stuff, they weren't great workers to begin with. I think they were just trying to float through their day as best they could or something, you know? hundred percent. How much does the, and I like, obviously this is a fairly new announcement kind of, uh, from Inspire, how much have you adopted like Windows Virtual Desktop, uh, Azure Virtual Desktop, that whole uh, deployment rather than, you know, kind of more of the still relying on the device, I guess, because in those environments, they don't care what device you're coming from practically. I don't have a good answer to that question. That's out of my purview of what I'm exposed to in the business. Um, but I can say that we do a lot with Microsoft and we follow their lead as much as we possibly can in every facet. So I know we're, we have a DevOps team as well, and we're 
heavily focused on the Microsoft Azure and Azure Gov environments. Um, we have a lot of qualifications there too. In that sense, I, I see us just following whatever Microsoft is doing. Got it. And again, and eating our own dog food. So when someone asks us about it, we can say it's not worked for us so and so forth. 100%. Have you guys, and, and if it's above you, that's fine. Have you guys played with um, the Sentinel solution from Microsoft? It's I've like heard there. of, yep. So I only know it because I've heard it being talked about a bunch. <laughs> but yes, I've heard of it. And, and that, that's where it gets. So me not being a technical person, I know there's um, a, a SIM. And this is where, these are technical terms. Is it SIM or is it SIM? Yeah, and, SIM, SIM, I guess. Everything. Yeah, and I think Sentinel is one of the, the things that falls within that, if I'm not mistaken, or can. Got it. Um, where where do you think where do you see things going? Uh, I mean, so first of all, you're are you are you doing things on a national basis, or are you more regional? No, we're so we are heavily regional. You know, Northern Illinois, Southeast Wisconsin, by and large, but. Um, the clients that we work with have footprints in satellite offices throughout the U.S. So that's coast to coast, you know, um, south to north, et cetera. And then we have a number of companies that we work with that have global headquarters as well. Um, so we'll work you know, one of the companies I was talking to earlier this morning. Uh, they're in Finland, you know, so we got to be mindful of time for that. That's why those are morning calls, not afternoon calls, because their day is ending and ours is beginning. So um, certainly we have not very many geographical constraints at all, but, you know, just based on proximity, we do a lot of business in our backyard, so to speak. Got it. So obviously the, the, the age old problem, right? Boots on the ground. Is that even a concern anymore or is it mostly more virtual at this point? Yeah, that's um, so when, when everything happened, you know, me being in the outside sales seat in a traditionalist to some degree, I'm like, this isn't going to work. Like I need to go build rapport and build trust. And that happens in person and shaking hands and getting to know people face to face and everything happened virtually. We landed some of the biggest accounts we've ever seen. I've never met some of these people still today, even uh, in person. I haven't shaken their hand. I've not been to their office. They have not been to ours and mm -hmm. business is still happening perfectly fine. So from a support standpoint, you know, I would say 90 to 95% of the work we do is remote. And every now and again, we need, we need to get boots on the ground. So in some cases where clients are in like North Carolina or, you know, uh, we have some in Mexico and, you know, wherever, all over, um, we'll fly our staff there. And, you know, that can be part of the proposal process. Like you're going to pay for room and board and so forth and plane tickets. Um, so we'll do that to deploy like a project. If someone, if there's some M&A activity and one of our clients acquired somebody else and they need us to go set up their network stack. So that way it's all going to be congruent with the, the entity that did the acquiring. Um, you know, we have that all kind of pre-configured. So we just need to drop it out there. We'll work with IT on sites, hold their hands. We have really strong documentation of things. So there's photographs documented for every little kind of wire that's happening. So we know exactly what someone is looking at based on what they're telling us. Documentation is like, I mean, I feel like there should be a stronger word for the word documentation and our approach to it, because it's so the way we document everything for every client is, is the same, the same, the same, obviously what lives there is very different, but that allows us to take the same approach to everybody. So our entire team, we don't have one single threaded point of contact that has all this context that's in John's head. So if John leaves on vacation or whatever happens to him we're okay. We know exactly what to do here because it's all been kept up to date. Um, so back to the original question, boots on the ground, it's limited. There is a need for it and we can accommodate that. If someone needs a lot of that, 
then that might look a little different. If someone's in Florida and they're like, we need someone here every day of the week, then that's not going to work. Yeah. No, I mean, there's something to be said for co-managed versus managed, right? I mean, you know, when you're working with an already pre-existing internal IT resource department team, right? I mean, I got to think the conversation is just a little bit different than the normal stuff. Yeah. One of the conversations, you know, uh, in the sales team, it's like, well, Eric, I have, I'm talking to a CFO. I have my IT manager is in the next room over. And when I say, Hey, Joe, come here and fix this. He comes and fix it. I'm like, right. But then Joe didn't document that. There's no ticket around it. There's no formal process. We don't know if it's going to happen again. We don't know if it's happened to other people. And so you doing that is disrupting his day, taking away from the project he's working on the help from the other people. You're getting white glove treatment, which we can still accommodate but we can put some process around that. So, you know, those problems will start to go away. We can fix them at the root rather than the bandaid that he's coming to to put on every day, you know, random hours of the day throughout the day. So maybe he won't be in there in two minutes, but someone will get to it within the first, you know, hour of that request based on your agreement or whatever that looks like. And then we're going to take care of it. And if we need to dispatch a boot on the ground, then we'll take care of that too. And if we can work collaboratively with the person who's there, Joe, whatever their name is, then that'll happen. So it's a, sometimes it's a cultural change more than anything. And once people get used to that, it ends up being a better process. You can text us the problem. You can call us with the problem. You can use your system tray. You can email us. We'll accommodate whatever communication modality you prefer. And then our side, it all looks the same to us. It doesn't matter. But if it's easy for you to send me a text that you have a problem, then, then great. Well, let's accommodate that. So it is a little bit of change sometimes in some cases where there's that expectation that someone's going to be in their office in three minutes after they yelled out their name. You know, that's probably not how you want to be dealing with that anyways. Well, you know, some people are a little bit old school, just <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So what's your, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of talk about what's the lowest common denominator, right? What's the minimal, most minimal thing that you'd be willing to take on? And of course that always bubbles back into the security conversation that we started earlier, which is, Hey, listen, you know, the low hanging fruit are the small guys that don't want to turn stuff on because it changes their, their flow, right? It's something new. They're pushing back against it. You know, that's where the bad guys are having an easier time getting into an email account because you're using your password everywhere, or you didn't have MFA enabled or, you know, that turn, or, or, you know, you see colonial pipeline, you saw, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the supply chain stuff. I mean, some of it was, you thought it was like, oh, they were, they were, they were coming out from every angle. And it was like, I was like, no, they, 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 George's PayPal password got discovered over here. And they said, Hey, maybe he's using it over here. And that was it. You know, like it wasn't super hard. Like, what is the minimum you'll allow? Like, and this feeds back into two, two parts, right? Yeah. Hey, you know, what's a good customer? What's a bad customer? What's the, the base, right? Yeah. And then on the other side, it's, Hey, you know, like, obviously this is now feeding into cybersecurity land from an insurance standpoint, right? Like, are you already feeling that from your, maybe your customers, vendors with the questionnaires that they're getting or the ones that you're dealing with for your own company, right. To make sure that your whole, like, it kind of feels like they're, you know, colliding a little bit. There's a lot to unpack with that to some degree. We have something that we've quantified as our ideal client profile. So uh, as much as someone's interviewing us, I assure you that I'm interviewing them harder. Um, because it needs to be, an, there needs to be an alignment and a fit. And I know that can be like, it needs to be a fit. That sounds cheesy, but like quite literally there has to be a fit or it's not going to work. It's going to break down very fast. And if I have the foresight to see where that's going to go, then I'll pull the plug out of the gate and push back and say, you know what, this isn't going to work. And let's just save everyone's time. And that's respectful enough. I'm not trying to be mean to people or so um, elitist, but there is that threshold of, 
you know, you talk about the insurance side of things. Um, we're seeing two things happen there right now. And I'll come back to the other part of the question. But the number one is there's a number of companies that if they don't put in multi-factor authentication, they will not have an insurance policy for cyber through their insurance provider. So they're almost kind of forcing their hand to go down the path, which is great. We've been pumping that message. There's a very funny video of me saying MFA about 200 times uh, in a single video that one of our marketing people chopped together and made it just say that uh, a whole bunch of times. And then to that degree, so that's finally happening. We've been beating that drum for a long time. And then additionally, if someone's had a cyber attack or a ransomware or some sort of event, I don't wish that on anybody. Obviously, it's a matter of when, not if. However, if you've experienced that, then you're not questioning all the stuff I'm talking about and you're taking IT seriously. You'll do anything to never experience that pain again. Um, so having conversations that are brought to us from insurance partners uh, where like there's some sort of relationship where they're sending us referrals, those are the most beautiful referral you could ever get because that person just had a problem, whether it was a ransomware attack or whatever. They're not happy with their current provider because they obviously couldn't do enough to protect them. Um, and they're, you know, they're warm. We know there's some sort of relationship. It was a warm introduction. So there's a, there's a lot happening where there's these events happening. And then there's like the, the um, cyber, you know, the, the incident response team where they're going and investigating what happened to help the insurance company quantify if it was an event that they should be covering or not. So from a referral standpoint, those are both really great referral places. But for us, I would say one of the security is critically important, but additionally is, are you growth minded or not? Are you one of those manufacturers? If I walk into your office and it looks like you're one of the good old boys that's hanging out at the hunting club too much because your office has become your trophy room or the giant number of you know big boats in your parking lot. Like if you're taking your money from your company, you're funding your own personal hobby, you're not putting that money back in and your technology from 2008 was the last time you addressed it. Like I'm already going to tell you this is going to be a painful relationship because we're not going to want to support any of the stuff you have. And if we do, we're going to fix all of it. So not only are you going to pay us for a support contract, you're going to probably have a whole mess of capital expenses for project work to get all this stuff up to a 2021 secure world. And if that's something you're, you're uncomfortable with, then you can, you're probably going to need to go find a reactive IT person that's going to just you know, be there when you pick up the phone to go deal with your nightmare. But if it's us, we're going to get ahead of all of this stuff. We're going to fix it tomorrow, basically. And if, and if they don't jive with that, then it's like an on sequitur. Like, it's not going to happen. And it's nobody's fault. It's totally cool. Like, you, it's literally your business. You can do whatever you want. Um, but if you're going to engage with us on the IT side and we're responsible for it, then we need to take some of the risk off the plate here and do things a different way. So I would say growth-mindedness, you know, are, are these companies growing? Are they in reinvesting in the business? Are they taking IT seriously? Um, size isn't really as important as it is maturity of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have some small operations where they, they do big numbers because that's just the industry they're in. The real estate industry, there's a couple of people at an office, but they're doing big, 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 big numbers and they want to leverage technology heavily. Um, so size of a company isn't always the same as the maturity of what they need from an IT perspective. So those are things that I try to, to look at is them reading the room, looking at what's going on, how they're you know investing, what's important to them, where the critical things are. And when's the last time they like addressed IT and are they addressing it now because they perceive a need to, or is it this obligatory, like commoditized? Oh yeah. Here's the IT stuff that I hate and don't care about. But if I walk back and unplug your server, what's going to stop working? <laughs> you know, that's a good I mean, way to, that, to that, have that, some immediate value. That's a great test, right? Walk into somebody's building and be like, boo, 
Yep. And be like, yep, everything's good. You didn't need that server. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine? You always hear these horror stories that like, you know, the joke about the IT guy left on bad terms. He cut all the cables on the way out the door. That'd be terrifying for some businesses. And, and that, that's not too far-fetched either. I mean, that's, that's literally happened at some big companies that we've seen in the news. Yeah. They just literally went, went. Mm-hmm. Um, especially it's like, like, don't spit in the food, at, you know, don't, don't talk crap to your waiter, right? They'll spit in your food. Like, yeah, I'm going to be the RT guy. But yeah. just saying. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, like, it sounds like you're dealing a little bit in the government space, right? They've obviously set certain rules, obligations, what have you. Let's talk about from like the hiring side. Like when you go out there and you're trying to fill positions, like you say you are, I mean, how much extra work do you have to go into in order to, you know, like obviously background checks and all the other stuff that normally happens. But like if, you know, there's probably additional hurdles to jump through in order to have somebody work on an account if they're in a particular sector. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, how do you protect yourself from the rogue person that comes in and is just a bad apple? Yeah, the systems take control of that, you know, not, not any one person holds all the keys and everything's gated along the way with checks and balances in place. So we don't, quite honestly, the, the rogue scenario will not impact us, um, which is a pretty beautiful thing. Um, and there's like, we have like geofencing in place. Like if you try to access a certain thing and you're not at that computer, at that building, at this time, like it's not going to happen. You know, and if it does, it's going to alert someone that's like, whoa, this is an anomaly detection, like something's happening here. So there's a lot of layers to how we deal with that. On the hiring side, we've been rolling out background checks at a certain security level um, for a very long time. So nothing new is changing there. And that's only predicated on if that person is going to be touching that CUI or handling it in any way, shape or form. So not everyone needs to adhere to all that stuff because we can isolate a lot of the, a lot of these things. Like someone might not be able to get into that Azure Gov tenant at all if you know all these other criteria are met. Like I mentioned, physical location, computer IP address, time of day, and so forth. Um, because some of the companies that are in different parts of the world, they literally cannot touch it um, as according to the, some of those regulations. So you know, on the engineering side, the people that do the work here and push the buttons and turn the knobs, they're very intelligent, but they're also very cautious and concerned. Like they don't want to get caught up in that stuff. They don't want to fall scrutiny to some sort of audit. The government's handing out fines. Like uh, I think it was $3 billion in 2019 or something. Very, very large. I could be wrong. I have the stats, but three, it's either three, 300, it's 300 million, I think in fines in 2019 for people that said that they were doing something and they weren't. So those audits are, are very, very real. Um, and they're actively seeking them out. Like the government is trying to like sniff those things out and find those the people that are not in compliance. So they're actively looking for it. So with that as a concern looming over you and us doing that work, like, like I mentioned, one of the first 15 companies, I better believe we're under some scrutiny and being watched to some level, right? And to some degree. So if that stuff isn't met, it would be a problem. So certainly the people doing the work, they're, you know, on the talent side, that's hard though. It's hard to find good talent at a price that's, you know, going to make sense for someone coming into a company brand new and trying to validate if they're a good fit and, and so on. So that's, I think a challenge a number of people are probably facing. It's hard to come by. It's like, you know, the, the problem everybody's had forever. <laughs> if you know, yeah. yeah. It's like never, there's never an answer. It always changes. Yeah. We have a draft board that we create. So like, as we encounter people, like if maybe we're having this conversation, like, man, George is like super intelligent. Everyone's got a price. 
let's add you to the draft board. I think you're really strong in this skill set. Wow. You, you, know I mean? you have a fantasy football style we do draft board? For people wow. that we want. And then we try to like consider, well, if there's a time and place and need and it's justifiable, let's court them and hmm. see if we can pull them over. So, you know, I wouldn't say we're doing anything shady, but we definitely know who we want for what jobs and who's available and who's out there and who the absolute to be top best players are for that space, for the thing that we need. And if we can get that person, we could accomplish these things, right? So we're, we have a draft board for a lot of different areas of the business. I mean, me and the sales team, the marketing side, I have people that I got, they have targets on their back in a positive way that I'm like, Oh boy, as soon as we get this, like, I'm, you know, like that's uh, it's, it's, it's exciting to have that, but otherwise there's job forums and postings and things like that and LinkedIn and all that. So draft board that that might be the that might be the headline coming out of here do you have a company draft board for the people that you're trying to actually go after mm-hmm. you should we, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna create we're gonna create a, a system for that we'll make that a SaaS product right there you go there you go draft board i'm draft. sure the nfl owns that or something i'm sure i'm sure they have it copywritten into oblivion but look at that's uh, how they do it they scout right they send out scouts they watch games they start at a very very young age they look for talent they're looking for talent sure. they're trying to find it identify it and then like flirt and court and get people in, in engage with them to try to get them. And you try to do it soon enough or before it becomes something where that person is so desirable that everyone wants them that now they have their pick of the litter. So the earlier you can identify that talent, the, the better off you're going to be. I wouldn't say we're that sophisticated, but I think we're probably a step ahead of most with a draft board, you know, at least. No, I, I, to be honest with you, it's for, I've talked to a lot of people. That's the first time first time i heard about it so hopefully that's not a secret that everybody's like oh nah, i mean people can make their own draft board board. what you do with it is up to you it's totally different for everybody yeah yeah uh, well, well now that now we're you know i'm gonna sneak it in there i was like so so you're saying aaron Rodgers is gonna be there for the whole season <laughs> you can't can you believe it i don't know what the hell's going on man but they say like, people I'm not leave showing a company. up i'm not showing up and then he's like nope i'm here for the season yeah i don't know who knows what happened but in closed doors i'm sure it got heated or something but he was pretty candid on his press release that he had given uh about everything and it seems as though like you know people don't leave a bad job they leave bad management and you know people like to work the job if you have a job and you do abc task and you're good at it you're always going to do that job but if you're not managed well and taken care of by the company or the organization then that's where maybe that desire seed is planted to say, well, where maybe the grass is green or somewhere else. Maybe someone else can deal with this better. And so I can go do, do the job that I love somewhere else. I'm going to get treated better. Like if it's all the same to them, if he just wants to throw a ball, what does he care what team Jersey he wears? As long as he's treated fairly to go do the thing he loves, who cares? No, hundred percent. I mean, it's just a small sandbox though. Although I'm sure there's 29 other teams that would totally oh, yeah. take Aaron Rodgers tomorrow. Right. Even even my buddy uh, who's talking about Tom Brady, I was like Tom <laughs> Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that that might be a tough conversation there, uh, Mister Fry, who's probably still listening out there. Um, so, okay, so you guys are you know heavy into security. You built your own sock. You know what your target customers are. You have a draft board, very fun. Um, how do you keep you know back, you know you actually brought it up, so I'm going to hit on it. How do you keep the company culture? up right like especially when you got people all over the place like what is there anything special you guys do to 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 maybe take people out of the daily grind and make it fun i mean i don't know to a degree i mean i would say you gotta be careful here with the with the word fun because it gets misconstrued with things like ping pong boards and comfy chairs and all that stuff although comfy chairs are pretty important but i would add um, Jim, I think it was a Jim Collins that wrote, you know, good to great and having people, the right person, in the right seat. So we pick up on that pretty quick. 
when we bring someone on and we try to like map their journey to where they think they want to be and make sure that they get to that place in the company. So oftentimes we'll, we, we farm our talent from within. So you know, if we're going to hire for a higher position, we'll look internally first and see, open it up formally to the people in the company that if you want to be um, you know, an engineer and not a tier one help desk person, what's your, what's, let's chart your path here. And if, and if, so we have people that were like started on our help desk tier one and they end up on the DevOps team. Like, because they have been writing, you know, Python and SQL and all sorts of other languages I can't pronounce since they were eight and that's their jam. So it makes sense that they should be in that role and not taking help desk tickets to solve Susie's printer problem. You know, they're not going to be in that role very long if that's the case. So what I'm getting at here is like right person, right seat. Yes. But aligning that with their passion, the people actually, again, we talk about doing the job that they want to do, that they're doing the job they actually want to do. So they feel like they're making an impact and moving their own needle forward. So that's a that's step one in all that we do and, and making sure that those folks are at least excited to come into work every day to do the thing that they love is pretty critically important. Um, I wasn't going to be in account management forever because I don't want to deal with that. But I love negotiating and deals and talking to people. So like, well, let's get Eric into sales. And that's where I'm strongest. So I don't mind coming to work every day because that job fits me. But if you had to make me do all the other stuff, administrative tasks and looking at invoices and sorry, <laughs> not only am I not going to do a good job, I'm not going to like it. So it's like a double-edged sword in that case. Um, so from a cultural standpoint, it's like the, I always say working here is like working with the smartest kids in class. Everyone is so damn good at what they do. They work so damn hard that the culture is like this unspoken, I need to carry my weight because my team is so strong that I don't want to let them down. So then everyone shows up in their best form possible. And that in and of itself is the culture. So then all the other layers around that, like the baseball games and the golf outings and the ping pong tournaments and all that fun happens around that because we've all earned a break and we can let our guard down and have a good time. And we all appreciate and value one another. So, you know, when everything happened over the last year and a half or whatever it's been, you know, our culture came to, to life in GIF format <laughs> more than anything, but then like seeing everybody in their homes wearing hats and, you know, you know, gym shorts and Crocs and whatever. And then all the dogs and furry friends and kids, we really bonded in a whole new way. Uh, in addition to that, still with the same mantra of like, I need to show up and get my job done and do a good job. So it's culture for us is just strong in the sense that we all care about the mission that we're like trying to, to do. No, Hey, that, that's as good an answer as any, if you ask me, it, you know, at, at, do you, from an event standpoint, does your company send people to events at all and yep. vice versa? I assume that you're also maybe doing events for, We're, yeah, yes to all of that. We're doing events. In fact, we have one tomorrow that I'll be presenting on teams voice as a, a phone solution. Uh, we're doing it at a restaurant. So we're giving every attendee like a meal for four from a really fun restaurant in the area. Um, so they can go home and feed their family. So, you know, it's kind of a nice way to like, Hey, I need to go to this network event, but by the way, I have dinner. So don't worry about it. Uh, kind of cool and really good food. Um, and then we go to a number of events as well. We just like sponsored a whole other golf outing. Um, so some of our staff gets to go golfing or like hang out in the sun all day and drink a couple of beers and so forth. So there's, there's a lot of that. Then we have like other fun events that we'll put on that are just like more for fun and less business related. Um, we also pay for Udemy courses and certifications for Cisco, Microsoft, uh, Fortinet, all of the vendors that we're with. If someone wants to get educated, we cover that expense for them. In some cases, it's already included and all you have to do is like register and sign up for the account. In some other cases, it's reimbursement, but we believe in continued education and 
you know, if you wanted to, let's say you're in a technical position, you're learning about networking infrastructure, you can take those courses, but maybe you wanted to learn about MBA because you want to understand the business side. Mm -hmm. You can go take those courses too. So we're not going to like tell people well, that's not related to your field. You shouldn't be in that course. We don't care. Just, we want you to learn and wherever your appetite for knowledge is, go learn more and use all these resources that we've provided to level up. Um, we encourage it and reward it, in fact. So education is a pretty big deal here. And by the way, those Cisco certs are not easy, man. I don't wish those on anybody. Those tests are terrible. Well, there's now a billion Cisco certs because they keep on buying companies, right? Yeah, like, right. like, oh, Cisco this, Cisco that. And it's like, well, where does it stop? Um, but I guess the answer is never because that's the world technology is. Um, do you get more worried or less worried with the explosion of devices, especially on the home network with everybody working remotely? Yeah, that's not a question for me. Um, I know that it's under, under wraps. And, but, you know, I will say, like, I asked a question to our leadership. I'm like, well, what about, you know, the work from anywhere model? Mm -hmm. Can I go work at Starbucks? Um, Can you? The answer, was, the answer was no. Oh, no, you can't go to Starbucks. I cannot. So right. no, I'm not allowed to be on a public network. So I was like, oh, and that's where the line is drawn. Okay. <laughs> like, and, and so now there's policy and there's enforcement and like, it literally like won't work. So uh, hmm. fascinating, right? And so those are some of the precautions that as a company doing what we're doing is different than other companies in that regard. Now, maybe there's a way around that, you know, probably, um, but the general consensus is like, not willy nilly, no, but if like, that's what you have to deal with, then we'll find a way to make that work. Um, is my guess because we're all engineers, not not we, um, not me, but you know, someone can help me figure that out. No, but I no, by and large, we're not trying to do that stuff if we can help it. No, totally get it. So, so it sounds like you have fun negotiating. What's the hardest negotiation you've had to deal with? Can oh, you tell that story? Let me think about it for a second. I mean, a lot of it's like price. You know, it's usually price. So then I try to find lovers. So I read the book Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Okay, very practical guide, and the summation of that is. If my wife tells me, Eric, I want you to wear brown shoes. And I said, well, no, I'm wearing my black shoes. The worst outcome of that is I have one brown shoe and one black shoe. Mm. That would be terrible in that you know, context. So never splitting a difference. There's all sorts of ways to like set extreme anchors and how to mirror people and how to really you know, kind of get more intel to then give yourself more bargaining chip to go back. So that process for me is, you know, I've just learned in the seat that there are really no rules and you know, you can really get anything you want to some degree. There's always a way to get some, some way there. So in reading into what people have to say, I'm trying to think of what the hardest thing to negotiate was um, because it was actually fairly recent. We were oh. negotiating one of the government um, DOD companies. And one of the negotiations was that they wanted to couple a sister company with uh, the primary entity. And the answer was no, you can't do that if you want to be CMMC level three and, mm -hmm. and you could, but the engineering that is, that's going to go into that is going to be far more laborious, uh, far more costly. And at some point when you audit it, it really isn't going to fly. There's ways you could do it to create isolation, but it's not great. So um, we won that negotiation, which just felt difficult, but there's other, I don't know, there's always like, uh, can you give me, you know, this many hours of ad hoc rollover for this price? And then I'll say, well, how can I do that? And then you get other people to answer your questions for you. And then they get, then they start to realize how ridiculous what they're asking for is. And so not only are they problem solving their question on your behalf, they're also coming to their own terms of, oh yeah, how am I gonna do that? So in the bank robbing situation, it's like, well, I want a helicopter and $2 million. So the negotiator would say, okay, 
you want a helicopter and $2 million. So you just mirrored them. Yes. How am I going to do that? Well, I don't know. Can't you call in the da, da, da? Oh, well, I could do that, but here's where that would break down. And then some, suddenly you start to like, you're not only are you buying more time, you're getting more Intel. Um, so that process just in general on the deal side is just so much fun. So Eric, I want a discount. We can, we could do a discount, but we can't dilute our, our value proposition. So the only way that I could do a discount is if we commit to a longer term. So if you want that discount, 20%, we could do three years. And if you're willing to commit to that, which is awkward because I don't want to get on a knee and give you a ring on our first date. But if that's what you need to accommodate here, I think we could certainly accommodate that if we do this, right? And so, so now we're getting someone to sign a three-year commit, whereas before they weren't going to do that. Um, and it was their idea all of a sudden. So I don't know. It's just a ton of fun. No, I mean, listen, you, it, it, it sounds like it's more art than science, but you definitely have some cool, some cool tactics, which is great. I mean, you know, from a guy who's, uh, you know, my parents came immigrated into the country and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll try and negotiate, they'll, they'll talk to the manager just because they think they want a better price and it was already on sale. And I'm like, come on, man, is it worth it for the extra couple of bucks? Yeah. But that's the hardest negotiation I, I went through recently was that the inventory in the auto market is uh, dried up because of the supply chain with yeah. the chip shortage. So we had to buy a minivan because I got child number three coming. And that was, wow, some of the hardest negotiating I've ever done. And I'm like, what is going on? This is like impossible. And I got what I wanted, but it was not easy. And you just, you at, the way that it worked there is you just, you compliment and ask very, very nicely and compliment some more. Oh my gosh, that is such, that is such a great price. Like, I don't even know how you did that. I'm so, but I'm embarrassed to say like, you know, I just, I'm not going to be able to, to meet you there with that one. Is there any way that like, you could maybe, I don't know, could you ask, could you see, like, could you talk to your bank? Is there another lender that you guys work with to bring that percentage point down just a little bit? Cause you know, we have number three child coming. So like, eh, we got to buy some stuff and, and they come back, you know what, Eric, I dropped a whole percentage point. I'm like, wow. So if I didn't ask, I just wasn't going to happen. And that, that's the part where I'm like, you almost have to negotiate because, so that's on the other side of the equation, right? Like I, I would have been, I would have hated to be my sales guy at that auto dealership. I, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like it's, it's interesting. I, I take a slightly different tactic, but I've gotten some, I mean, I actually just got a car too recently. And by the way, I just had number two. So you're already ahead of me. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Let me, maybe I'll come and take notes, right? If, if I run into the next one, but um, yeah, no, I just, I had to go buy a car, you know, got into an accident total, had to get another one. Uh, I'm one of these crazy people that'll go out of the state, you know, to get the best deal, right? Like I don't have to buy around me if I'm not going to get mm -hmm. the best deal. So, um, so I actually flew out to new, I'm, I'm in, you know, outside of Philadelphia area here, I flew, I flew to New Hampshire and I drove it back. Oh my but, gosh. Uh, so, and after the cost of the plane ticket and your time, it, did it end up being still economical? Totally worth it. Like when you go, like when you go to the, the, you know, your lender, right. And you, mm -hmm. you know, like, so I, I have a credit union that's literally down the street. And like, I always, before I even go, I was like, what's your rate. Right. Like I'll just come with a check. Let's not even play this game. Right. Like have it ready to go. They don't like it so, when you try to offer them cash. Oh, that's they definitely, because they, they make money on the financing. They don't even make money on the car anymore. 100%, 100%. But like, so I went to, I went to the, I went to my, my local credit union. I'm like, yeah, you know, cars totaled. So this loan's going to go away and get another one. They're just like, okay, let's just put it in. Cause they try and tell you the gap insurance. Yeah. And they were just like, are you sure that's the price? I'm like, yeah. I was like, do you have a copy of the bill of sales? Like, yeah, here, sure. They're like, yeah, I'm not going to even offer you the gap. Cause like, it's so far underneath. And I'm like, yep, it's a good deal. <laughs> They're just like, okay, here's a check. Have a nice yeah, day. Just go make your money on someone else, please. It's not going to be me. Like, yeah. you'd be better off doing what I say and like making your money back on the next guy, please. Yeah, Let's keep no, 100%. But yeah, negotiating can be fun, but some people are really bad at it. So I guess like for the other people like you and me, 
it's a good it's a good thing to have in your back pocket. If you were to um in this last little stretch here, if you were to give um that, you know, any anybody knocking down your door, right? Another MSP, another IT services company, anything like that, and you were to say, here's my best one, two, three bits of you know, advice I can give you uh, to grow your company, do better, decide what's good or bad and not get, you know, anchored down into, you know, customers that just aren't worth it. What comes to the top of your mind? Are you saying like, what am I going to recommend to another MSP? Yeah. Like if you were, if you were at a trade show and you're at mm-hmm. the bar and you sat that next to John Smith and he's like, Hey man, you know, I'm from New York. I don't even compete with you. You know, you're, you're out in Wisconsin, although everybody's, you know. Remote. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear what you're you know? saying. Okay. Yeah, like what, what would be, you know, if you, if you were, what would be your top couple of tips for those guys out there who might be struggling with sales, right. Might be struggling with growing their business, might be taking the wrong clientele in, mm-hmm. right. Like these are, I would say, gosh, there's a, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things and I would love to hear what other people tell me too. Cause I, I'm certainly not the authority here. Uh, and I'm always open to learning more. There's just so much in the world you don't know. I don't know. Too many people have said, the more I learn, the more I realize, the less I know. But with that in mind, I think, you know, when I came on board with the company, it was a little over four years ago, we hadn't had a real large focus or emphasis on marketing or sales. And that's kind of where I came into the picture. And it was fascinating to me to see just how much we were growing year over year by product-led growth. And our product is our service. And so by just doing a really good job, we still get so many referrals from existing clients that that's a variable that's really hard to control. You can try to incentivize people, but it's more about reputation than it is about the $200 gift card they're going to get. They care less about that. They care about like wanting to do good and make sure you're taken care of to someone else they're going to refer. So the referral side, if you can incentivize that, sweeten the deal, fine. But the really the only way you're actually going to turn that needle is by doing really really good work. So focus on your core product set. Get really good at what you do. Niche down if you need to a little bit, um, because if you're a master of what is it, you know, jack of all, master of none. Yeah. You know, you can only be so good. So for us, the cybersecurity focus is a really strong message. It's in our DNA. It's how we go to market with that. It's in all that we do. It's the first lens we put on before we touch any project. And we, we even do cybersecurity. We deploy our EDR software before we even do any sort of agent deployment because we don't want to like reactivate some sort of um, threat inside of an environment, which has been identified before. Um, mm. So, you know, just get your core stuff down. And then beyond that, like build some referral partnerships. I can't tell you right now how incredibly strong it is. I could just hang out all day and I'm going to get a couple of leads from a couple of insurance companies because they know, like, and trust not only me, but the company. And as a result, when they have something blow up from another MSP and their clients are saying, Hey, my managed service provider had a problem. You're doing the insurance claim on that. Who do you know? And it's Eric, Eric, Eric. So I don't know. There's all sorts of those. Look at the power plays that you can have inside a referral. Um, whoever shares some overlap with you in some sort of flavor of IT, that's not going to be a competitor that can send you business. And hopefully you can re- reciprocate too, right? It shouldn't be a one-way street. If you have a way to reciprocate, that's going to be a stronger relationship. And we have cable and companies we've probably sent millions of dollars to, and I've seen this many referrals from them. Um, I don't know if that's just the nature of the flow of that, or if that's because they don't care to, I, I don't know. But if you get that two-way going, it's a, it'll be a stronger relationship because relationships are two-way streets, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. Now that's great advice. Um, so what's your, what's your over under on the, uh, on the Packers this year? Give me that. I don't know. I mean, every year I just say they're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> 
they almost do. You're like, they come close. They're, they're a very stressful team for that reason. I feel like that's probably how everyone feels with their team. Like they're the ones that are going to mess it up. So I get really pessimistic. I'll, I'm I'll like, come, oh, you're just going to ruin it. Like, just, just make it happen. Right. So I don't have to feel this emotional roller coaster. I'll just come out stressful. and say that the NFC East was probably one of the worst divisions in football history last year. So no high expectations for my Eagles. Yeah. All right. So you're an Eagles fan. So I'm a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan. I know he's a huge Jets fan. That's um, right. Gary, he's going to be at, uh, I mean, if you, if you wanted to take a random trip, he's, he's keynoting the uh, build it or it by design conference in Jersey city at the end of August. He is the oh, end of August. Well, that's when the baby is going to arrive, but we did get to meet Gary. Uh, no, we no, did no. do do it, live. do it online, do it online. Swick Tech participated in his um, uh, four D's uh, before COVID happened. Wow. 2019. Love <laughs> my ears are blending together and so yeah we flew out to new york for a day and hung out with this whole crew it was wow uh really exciting so you know when you talk about uh, advice for growth maybe you can go go meet gary v and that'll help you grow gonna, your company i'm gonna ask him i'm gonna ask him when i go to that event i'm gonna you be like, the bald bearded dude he doesn't remember me there's yeah, no way he, he, he probably i mean unless you're a jets fan he probably doesn't remember anything <laughs> i'm not i'd be like dude the packers will fill the jets every time come on well, well, okay they can't they can't keep select a quarterback and hold them there right i mean that's Part of the problem. All so, right, but you still don't give me the under over 10, 11, 12, 14. Give me an under. I don't know. I'm not like that fanatical about it. I'm not sure what the right answer is there. Okay. Like All I right. don't do over unders, but it sounds like you you have some expertise here. I would say whatever is probably uh them getting all the ways. Okay. So you haven't won so you haven't won the Super Bowl this year. I hope, man. I hope. That'd be great. It's been a while, though. It really hasn't. It's been what was it 20? Was it 2011? Mm-hmm. 2011? No, they won't. Yeah. It was one of those years. Yep. I think it's right. 2011. But but it, but needless to say, if they're there, I'm sure you'll be there. I would. Oh, my God. That'd be so cool if I could go. Yeah. I'll yeah. be watching it somewhere for sure. No, we're, we're, we're going to make sure you get there for sure. Well, when the Packers play the Eagles, I'll call you back up and say, hey, come to Philadelphia. Won't okay. We? That can be fun. Yeah. You'll have, have to show me the way out there. Yeah. Only advice. Just, you know, wear plain clothes. Don't wear. Don't wear. Yeah, I don't want to get into a fight. I don't want to get punched in the face. You'll be fine. I don't know what you're talking about, but you'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> cool. Eric, appreciate your time, my friend. I, I, I think we got a lot of good, you know, kind of, you know, real world, you know, kind of views from, from your side of the, you know, the pond or train tracks or town, whatever cliche you want. Farmer's field. Yeah, exactly. So for, for everyone that may have a, want to pick your brain or uh, ask you a question that may be watching this, you know, now or in the future, um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? LinkedIn, oh, great. Facebook, yeah, thanks for Twitter, LinkedIn's email. fantastic. I put a lot of content out there. Uh, Eric Clark, but there's a lot of me. So my background's like this red background. So it stands out. Um, email is eclark at swicktech.com. So everyone take that down. This whole session was recorded. It's on mspinitiative.com under sessions. You can go back, rewind, fast forward, send Eric a question, a thought, Hey, that was awesome. You did great. Maybe talk Aaron Rodgers with him because you know, the second he leaves town next year, he's going to be salty. So you better get him while he's in happy mood. Uh, thanks for joining us, Eric. Thanks everyone who watched this live. And for anyone who's going to watch this after the fact, member MSP initiatives, Tuesdays and Thursdays, one o'clock Eastern time, Eric, we hope to see you back out in, uh, you know, Milwaukee area, uh, when we're back out on the road in your area, hopefully when it's not cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Likewise. Talk soon. Have a good one.